You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls? Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show, the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, the phone number is 608 501 0718. Go ahead and program that into your phone so you always have it ready to rock and roll. You don't want to have a thought and then go, what the heck was that number again? And then you think, well, I don't know, I'll go look it up a little bit later and then I'll call. And then if you even get around to looking it up later, you're not going to remember what you were talking about. So let's just put it in our phones now, 608-501-0718. New callers go to the front of the line. We don't have any new callers. So Nico, go ahead and kick it off for us, Mike. And I honestly could care less about MBS. Yeah, we picked him. He should thank the Packers every day for picking him um, and putting up with his can't seem to run around. Does people not forget the fact that, what, his second or third year, he had like 12 catches a year and like 10 targets? I mean, he didn't even get targeted because he sucked. <laughs> so it, they put up with a lot of – I mean, they, they kept him when they – Dumped Amari Rogers like a hot potato. I thought they were going to keep him, and but so I could care less about MBS. And if he even a little, we smirched the Packers saying they weren't a good team. I hope the Chiefs lose yeah. just so he can be like, well, I didn't win the Super Bowl again. Darn it! And you know he can he can just disappear like all the X Factor players that talk crap about the Packers. So, yeah. MBS, I don't care. Yeah, I mean, it's just another reason to not want to root for the Chiefs. And, I, and again, I know a lot of Packer fans, well, I want MVS to win. I don't. And it's not against MVS. It's just, do you want that to be the situation? Like, if you want to win a Super Bowl, you have to leave the Packers? And it's just that easy, you know? We're supposed to be the destination you go to. Now, I know, regardless, um, it's not really that, we're not really that team. You know, nobody's going to flock here. I think whether Rodgers is here or not, but especially if he's not here, nobody's going to flock here to win Super Bowls necessarily. I mean, we'll see how it goes and how quickly we can turn this around. It was one bad year. We don't need to overreact. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't want it to be like, again, MVS just saying, well, you know, winning games is cool and all, but I wanted to win Super Bowls. So I just went to the Chiefs, and pff, they know how to do it, so we won a Super Bowl. Nope, they don't. They suck too. Stick it, all right? I think the Super Bowl's already over, so if the Chiefs won by a landslide, then that sucks. But uh, anyways, yeah, I'm recording this prior to the Super Bowl, so. But I'm with you, man. I I, I mean, I, I, I don't just flat-out dislike MVS, but I don't want it to just be like, oh, yeah, well, thanks for stopping by. I hope I wish you success with some other team winning Super Bowls. Unlike us here, we just win regular season games. But I understand you wanting to actually play for a good team and a good quarterback and all that, so you go ahead and have yourselves a great life. <laughs> no, dude. Fail. How about that? Hey, caller number five here. Um, after your last uh, Packernet After Dark, I decided finally to say, okay, let me go watch the film on Bijan. Because I had have, I have liked him because I saw a couple highlights and I saw his Alabama um, film. 
he didn't have the most stellar game at Alabama, but just the grinding nature of his uh, game. I was like, oh, that guy's cool. But then everyone was uh, going off on him in, in this phone call. So I said, let me go watch some film on this guy. And, uh, yeah, if he's there at 15 and we don't take him, I may <laughs> I may finish an entire bottle of alcohol. This guy is – oh, man. See, it's funny you say that because I remember – I don't know. It might have even been like last year or something, um, as in like last April after the draft when you get a preliminary look. There was this guy Bijan, and he was he was like a top five prospect or whatever. And I'm like, that's crazy. And I yeah, I did a real quick look at him. I'm like, I don't see anything special. Like I really don't. It's nothing that interesting. Um, but I think the thing with Bijan is if you look at him, just if you were to grab like two runs in a game, you're probably not going to be that impressed. But every like tenth run or so, you'll see something like, "What was that?" Um, the power. Occasionally, you'll see him just run through a guy, and it's it's like it. He didn't even have to work for it. Like it wasn't even that hard. Like he just blasted through somebody. He didn't have a full head of steam. It just he just has this power. You'll see a cut, and it's like it was it was a Christian McCaffrey level cut. And one of my favorite plays was him as a receiver. You'll probably see it in one of his highlights or whatever, but um, it's a twisting catch, but it's the way he catches it so effortlessly and then lands on his feet and just keeps running like nothing happened. Like, he didn't have to regain his balance. It's, he is so such a balanced player. It's really, again, you watch any five runs of his and you'll think this guy's nothing special, but that 10th play is like, this guy is definitely something special. Oh, this guy's unbelievable, dude. Uh, I just, like, positional value be damned. He's a great football player. And let's say we trade Rodgers to Las Vegas, whatever. We get an extra pick. You can use that first one on a, a tackle or an edge rush or whatever you want. Give me Bijan at 15. Um, I know Michael Mayer, whatever. He's not doing much for me when we can get Darnell in the second or Kincaid or somebody. And then uh, Quentin Johnson, it's like, okay, that would be fun, but not really. I mean, you know, Bijan is, is is the guy. And trade, uh, why don't we trade Aaron Jones to uh, Miami for their second-round pick, and we can throw in a fourth or something. I don't know. I'm just talking. Uh, I'd love to hear you do a full film review of Bijan and a couple prospects, um, just a thought for future episodes and, and things you might want to do on YouTube or something. All right, take it easy. Um, I'm full backflip for Bijan, baby. Yeah, so today, uh, Super Bowl day, I did talk a little bit about running backs. It wasn't my intention, but it is what it is. Um, but yeah, definitely not a full deep dive. But that is my thought with Bijan. It's not even so much, it has nothing to do with even the position. He could be a safety, he could be a what? it doesn't matter. It's just for me the fact that he is that sort of next level prospect that the Packers never get a chance to touch. That's the biggest thing for me. I understand running back is not the greatest thing. And I understand, I mean, look at Saquon. He hasn't had that great of a career, largely because of injury. But also just, I think, the, the it's not a very good running team. Their offensive line is just not doing the greatest job in the world. And I think he potentially was squandered. Um, you know, if he was in San Francisco, good Lord. But, um, you know, we, we would have to invest, which we would, because we would have a, a young quarterback at some point to invest and build around anyway. So you'd want to build up the offensive line and you certainly want to invest more in the run game because you're probably not leaning on Jordan Love the same way you're leaning on Aaron Rodgers. Um, 
but yeah, that that's just what it comes down to for me. Just just getting those sort of next level freaks that we just never get a chance to get because they never reach where the Packers are. Usually they're gone in the top five, and the Packers are picking in the twenties. This year we're picking at fifteen, and one of maybe like three blue chip players, if there even are three. I think uh, the defensive tackle is largely considered a blue chip player, um, Jalen Carter. Will Anderson, I'm a little iffy on. I guess you'd call him a blue chip player. I, I struggle to put him in the same stratosphere as, for example, Bijan, right? Because Bijan isn't like that pass rusher you get almost every year. This is a step down from the usual guys that you get every year. You know, is 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 he even Aiden Hutchinson and Trayvon Walker? Maybe he is kind of a Trayvon Walker. I don't know. Um, is he... Well, I don't think 2020 really had one either. Uh, Chase Young. And I know Chase Young hasn't been that great, but I just don't put him on that same tier as a Chase Young. Maybe he is. I don't know. I haven't looked a ton into him because I don't care. But the point is, let's say those two are legit blue chippers. And if you want to say Bryce Young, whatever, I guess. I, I Okay. Um, but it just, it, the, the point is, these guys go in the top five, Right. And um, I think with the quarterbacks, it's sort of a reverse positional value thing, like with running back, where you know top five is is either blue chip prospects. You you know you hopefully you can't if somebody had, five guys have to go in the top five no matter what, even if there's no zero blue chip players. But I think with quarterbacks, you can get sort of those second tier guys that go number one overall because they're quarterbacks and it's the most important thing. But with running backs, it's the opposite. Yeah, he's blue chip and nobody wants to touch. And the same thing happens like with safety. You could have a generational safety and it's like, eh, he wouldn't fall as far. But do we really want to take him in the top five? Eh, you know, I don't know. Linebacker certainly is another one where it's like, I don't really know. It's maybe they could, but. And I think it fluctuates. You know, there was a time when I think a, a running back could easily go top 10, and, and they have. But I think it's just positional value is continuing to trend downward for running backs, whereas, for example, wide receiver, everybody's like, oh, I mean, that doesn't mean that they're necessarily good. I mean, Quentin Johnson's like the only potential wide receiver one, but it's like, are you serious? Why are we even talking first round then? Addison's not even a wide receiver one. You're going to take him at what, pick 12? What are we talking about? But wide receiver positional value is going through the roof, especially because look at the hit rate lately. You take a wide receiver in the first round, and it's just automatically paying off. Even second round's got a pretty solid hit rate with Christian Watson, George Pickens. Uh, I don't know if Sky Moore necessarily did a ton, but he was decent for a while, and I think special teams did some stuff, including dropping the ball, but whatever. So, again, I'm torn. I'm 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 fairly certain it's probably the wrong thing to do but there is a part of me that just says you can't pass on a blue chip prospect and i i think he is um i just think he is that next level guy i think he is a it's funny uh, i was watching him with my son a little bit and he was watching him run and he had some spin moves and he'd kind of break to the outside and do some stuff and he's like he's a lot like aaron jones i'm like yeah he is a lot like aaron jones and then you watch him run with that power and just smack right through people. And it's like, he's kind of like AJ. I mean, again, I'm not as impressed with his power as, as I wish he was a little bit more power. But the point is, he's sort of that combination. He's an Aaron Jones player with all the power that you wish AJ Dillon had. 
sometimes he has it. You know, he pulls people and stuff. But I, I honestly think it just it, it, it works to his benefit that he's lower. Same with Aaron Jones. Sometimes Jones seems more powerful than Dylan. I think it's just because he's a lower guy. You know, Bijan low Bijan gets low and just powers through people. And I mean, he's legitimately just a dominant receiver. I mean, he that's that's an unbelievably underrated part of his game. He's not just a shifty running back with some power and vision and balance. He is an incredible receiver. So I don't know. Bottom line is I, I just genuinely think it's not going to happen. And that's probably a good thing. But that's just where I'm at with it. You look at the other players that are around there, and it's, you know, Jordan Addison, which again, okay, cool. I feel like he's, I mean, again, is he even going to be as good as the second round prospects from last year? I don't know if I liked him as much as I like Sky Moore. Christian Watson, I know I didn't like him as much as Pickens because I thought Pickens was one of my favorites, if not my favorite prospect in the entire draft. Definitely not as good as the other first round prospects, in my opinion. I, you know, whatever, for whatever that's worth. You know, Michael Mayer, I, again, you make a great point because I like, you know, again, you look at his PFF grade and you look at guys that have had those grades in PFF, they're all pretty solid tight ends in the NFL. There's like four of them. And it's like Kyle Pitts, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, and uh, Michael Mayer, you know. But is he fast? No. Is he super elusive? Is he this? Is he this? He's like, no, he, he, he honestly just reminds me of a, a better version of Cole Komet, which whatever. And then again, you look at this tight end class, as you said, and it's like, well, what does Darnell Washington do worse than Michael Mayer? He's bigger. He's stronger. He's faster. He's got a much larger radius. He doesn't exactly have the balance and the polish. But why would you not want, I mean, Michael Mayer's incredibly talented. I mean, he's, he's a, a monstrous human being that has a decent amount of speed and balance and all this stuff. Darnell Washington is just a bigger, faster version of Michael Mayer. And then you've got, I forgot who it was. I don't know if it was Kincaid. Oh, it's Musgrave. Um, I just saw this here. Top size uh, speed combo at the Senior Bowl. It was Oregon State tight end Luke Musgrave, who had the 16th fastest max speed of 20.05 miles per hour of any player at 255 pounds. Next heaviest who ran faster was Cincinnati linebacker Evan Pace, who ran 20.58 miles per hour at 231. So uh, we're talking 24 pounds lighter. Uh, Trusted sources think Musgrave could run 4.4 at the combine. To be honest, I couldn't tell you how many people, if anybody, I looked it up. The only person I can see that ran faster or as fast or faster at 255 or heavier was uh, Jason Owe from the 2021 draft, a pass rusher. 257 pounds, ran a 4.36. Guys, as freaky as they come, he was a first-round pick. As far as tight ends that have run that fast, um, I, you know, not everybody has a listed 40 times. So there's probably a lot of guys that have pulled it off, but that I can find. Uh, Doran Dickerson, 2010. Don't know, use a seventh-round pick. But then there were two first-round picks. Matt Jones, uh, 2005, was uh, 242 pounds, ran 4.37. And Vernon Davis, the very next year, was the number six overall pick. At six foot three, 254 pounds, ran a 4.38. So, um, and Doran Dickerson was uh, 226 pounds, so basically a big wide receiver. This guy's 255 and could run a 4.4. 
just to put this into context, just so we're clear, here's some guys that are in that weight range, two, 254 to 256, let's say. Adam Troutman last year ran a 4.8. Caden Smith ran a 4.92. Drew Sample ran a 4.71. Dax Raymond, 4.73. Ryan Izzo, 4.91. Tyler Conklin, the fifth-round pick, 4.8. Uh, just for reference, some other guys we got here. Uh, Drew Sample, who ran a 4.71, was a second-round pick. Um, Mark Andrews, the third-round pick by the Baltimore Ravens, 4.67. Austin Hooper, third round pick by the Falcons, 472. Jeff Howerman, third round pick for the Broncos, 481. How about Travis Kelsey? He's 255 pounds on the dot, ran a 463. They're talking about him running a 44. Gavin Escobar, second round pick by the Dallas Cowboys, uh, 484. Dwayne Allen, third round pick by the Colts, 485. Uh, Packers Andrew Corliss, fifth round pick, 468. On and on and on and on it goes. High four fives is pretty much blazing fast at this size. So Musgrave is a freak. I mean, the, on today's podcast, I talk a lot about running backs and how it's real deep. I, I don't I don't know that I've ever seen a freakier, more insanely talented tight end class. And we've had tight end classes in the past where, you know, there's a bunch of first round picks or whatever. But these guys are absolute freakish human beings. Just flat out. I mean, Lucas Musgrave's projected 40 time is 4-5-1. So he, he was already kind of a free. That's already fast. But now they're saying, uh, no, dude, he runs over 20 miles an hour. Probably going to crack, you know, sub 4-5. That's stupid, dude. And then I'm even seeing, I think it was Cynthia Freeland. I was going to talk about this on another podcast, but she's doing her thing and it's all data-based or whatever. She had the Packers at pick 15 taking Dalton Kincaid. Dalton Kincaid. Anyways, I'm off on a, I'm, a, I'm way off on a tangent here, but the tight ends are just nuts, man. And I'll, I'll, I'll honestly be sad if we don't get out of here without getting a pretty freaky tight end. Hey, Ryan, it's JJ. I am uh, calling the gush over a draft prospect. Here we go. And it's uh, Anthony Richardson. Oh, and, boy. And uh, I just wanted to talk about why I am just over the moon about this guy. And I think if he's anywhere within reach of the Packers, I, I know we got Jordan Love and I love Jordan Love. And I would love to see him succeed. I just think this is the dude. All right. You know, you look at uh, Allen, who... To be fair, I, uh, I think I had asked for people to help me with this because I, I wanted to be sold on this. I, I went through my whole Anthony Richardson thing and then I saw how much of a freak he was athletically, and I was like, holy crap, this guy is next level. Um, but then as I kind of asked around or whatever and kind of did a little very brief kind of watching myself, not a ton, but um, the consensus even from uh, Florida fans, <laughs> I had Florida fans reach out and they're like, I appreciate it, man. I love the guy and all, but, uh, you know, not great. But please sell me. Had some upside and... You know, if you're going to draft them based on what they can do, not on what they can't do, you know, uh, people are trying to make Josh Allen comparisons with Will Levis, and I just don't see it. You know, with with Will Levis, I see some physical traits that are cool, and I don't see anything from him mentally that suggests to me that 
he has what it takes at, at the next level, you know? Yeah, and I even tried to do that a little bit just because that was kind of the only thing that came to mind. But I don't even think he has the physical traits of, of Josh Allen. You know, I mean, it's it's stupid, but Josh Allen is that dude from from his knees who could launch it across the field. I don't think Levis can do that. I don't think he has that level of of power and physicality. So it's it's sort of a it's sort of Josh Allen light, which is kind of funny to even say because even Josh Allen wasn't that impressive. I was kind of laughing about it. Like, I get that he's physically impressive, but that has nothing to do with being a quarterback. So. <laughs> Even if you compare him to Josh Allen, it's like, well, he has all the same negative attributes and just not quite as as gifted in terms of the things that made people excited about Josh Allen. It's like, okay, then then what are we talking about here? You know, then you get into the territory of like, um, again, I'll bring up my favorite person to talk about, Justin Fields, where it's like, well, look at that guy who was bad. Y- y- you can't compare like, yeah, my guy's bad, but look at that guy who's bad and then try to make a comparison to say, well, that means they're going to be good. That That has nothing to do with anything. Negative traits don't automatically translate into positive ones. The question is, what are your positive traits, and can you overcome the negative ones? And Anthony Richardson, I think, is even more impressive physically than Will Levis. By a mile. But Anthony Richardson also just makes these just dynamite, insane, just heroic plays. He throws with great anticipation. Uh, He's got great touch. Man, he's he's threading the needle, putting the ball where only his guy can get it. I mean, he's you know I'm, I'm not even talking about uh, you know the the freakishness that he brings as a runner, yeah. which is evident. I mean, he could he could go <laughs> be like a tight end or something and still be an early pick. I think he's just an absolute freak of an athlete. But looking at what he can do off platform, I think that's huge. I like the fact that, you know, with his big arm, he doesn't need to be set. He can kind of just be in any position and still put the ball exactly where he wants it down the field and and not sacrifice any of that power, which is one of the big things that I like about him over uh, Bryce Young. Bryce is super talented. But he's got kind of a small arm. He's very slim and slender. I know Bryce is a more polished prospect, and if you just don't have a quarterback, yeah, you need to take a guy like Bryce Young. But if you can at all afford to sit a guy for a while, man, Anthony Richardson, I think you can develop into just something spectacular. I think that he doesn't have, to me, the same downsides that Lamar Jackson had in terms of, like, hey, his passing just isn't that great. I think that he's a fantastic passer and you're not drafting him for his running ability. You're drafting him for his passing. Second half here. But then when he does take off and run, obviously it's super lethal. And, and I just think that, you know, this is the direction the NFL is going. I love, love, love Jordan Love. I want to see him succeed. But he hasn't proven anything yet. We don't know yet that Jordan Love is the guy. And uh, I I think that until you know that you have the guy who's going to be the guy for a while, I don't see why you wouldn't take a swing in the draft on a guy who you believe could be the dude. I I get fired up watching him. I think he's a smart football player. I like the way he 
reads the whole field. He's got great vision. Uh, I think he does a good job drawing defenders into uh, uh, biting on certain things to, to open up other opportunities for his guys. I think he does a good job of not putting his receivers in harm's way. He doesn't throw that pass that gets his receiver killed, you know? And I, and I really like that. I, I just think he's a smart dude. And yeah, he's super raw, you know? He, but one of the things that's really exciting about, about him to me with the rawness is that even just inside of one game, you see him develop. He's making mistakes early on in the game and then not repeating those as the game goes on. He's, you know, he, he gets burned in, you know, on some sort of a look and uh, maybe gets picked off or whatever. And then later sees that same look and rather than panicking, rather than, uh, you know, calling a timeout or throwing the ball away or whatever, he learns from what he saw earlier, files that away and takes advantage of the situation. I like that. I think that that's so crucial at the next level in the pros that you've got a guy who is developing and you can see that measured growth and that he's not making the same mistakes over and over. He's making new mistakes. That's fine. Eventually he's going to run out of new mistakes to make. Uh, I think that if he had stayed in school one more year, I think he would have done something really, really, really special. And you know what? I guess I'm willing to let him cut his teeth in the NFL um, on my team, maybe as a backup to Jordan Love or as a backup to Aaron Rodgers. Oh, man. I think it's a tough spot for Goody to try and make his decision because he's got to pick up Jordan Love's fifth-year option like a week after the draft if he's going to yeah. do it. And uh, that's not a decision that can be taken lightly. And obviously you don't have to do it. You can just play Jordan and then sign him to a new deal. I don't know. There you go. So I know you're probably not going to like my Justin Fields comp, but that's just kind of where I'm at. I mean, just just from the baseline physicality rushing ability, they're they're like the same guy, but Anthony Richardson is more freaky. Um, just again, I know I did this already, but just kind of going back and looking at it, um, he's projected to run a four four. If you look at quarterbacks that ran a four four, um, the only one that compares to Anthony Richardson is Vince Young. He ran a four four eight, which uh, Richardson is expected to run faster than that, at two hundred and twenty nine pounds. And 6'5". That's basically Anthony Richardson. 6'4", 230, expected to run a 4'4", 0-ish. Um, Justin Fields is the next closest. He ran a 4'4", 5 at 6'2", 227. So Richardson is, is, you know, two inches taller, three-ish pounds heavier, and is projected to be slightly faster than Justin Fields. Justin Fields is an absolute freak. So... And even if you watch him, the things he's, you know, you watch Justin Fields sometimes and a guy will grab him and he'll, he'll break out of it and continue running. He, they do the same things. So he's got unbelievable size and power and speed. But the point is, I, I think you're right. This is the way that the NFL is moving. I think the NFL fully understands if you can get a guy like Fields, and, and let's just say Fields, if he can learn to throw, I think he will be the, it won't even be close, the best quarterback in football. He's already pretty scary with his rushing ability. The problem is you just it's not enough. You know? It's not enough to to fully get you over the hump. But if he could be 
even like what what if he could be like Kirk Cousins good as at throwing while remaining as scary as a rusher? Nobody could touch the Bears. And so I don't want to be flippant with Anthony Richardson and say, well, he's not that good of a thrower. And and I agree when you say, I mean, his passes are are incredible. In fact, that's part of the thing I liked about Lamar um, is that ability to just kind of flick his wrist and look how easy the ball comes out. Same with Richardson. He, he can throw with such power without even really trying. He throws some pinpoint accurate passes. Um, for me, though, the issue with him and, and every other quarterback is consistency. And even that video of him that you sent me, there was, you know, I was surprised because I, I thought he was going to be gushing over him. And it sounded like he spent most of the time kind of complaining about him. You know, the, the vision. He's got a guy. Why is he waiting? Why isn't he throwing? Uh, not seeing things and, and you know, again, the, the inconsistencies. It's similar to what I said about Bijan, where you got to look at every 10th pass or whatever, or every 10th run. With Richardson, it, it kind of comes down to every second, third, or fourth pass. But that's an issue. Um, I just went over to SIS real quick. Quarterbacks with um, two, at least 200 passing attempts, 114 of them in college football. He ranked 105th out of 114 in on-target passing. That is to say there were nine worse. So, it's I mean, it's a big gamble. Someday somebody's going to hit it. And we kind of saw it, a, a, a glimmer of it with Lamar the year he won MVP. We've seen flashes of it with Kyler, but it's never quite fully come together. We've seen the lethality of a rushing quarterback with Justin Fields. And one of these days, it's going to hit. One of these days, you're going to get, I'm not going to say Pat Mahomes necessarily, but could you freaking imagine? But you get a guy that has incredible arm talent. And, and I don't think anybody, including you, would, would debate, because you even said it, that he needs to sit and he needs to learn. You know, he went through his footwork. His footwork was bad. His, you know, all this stuff is, is messy and the decision-making is messed up and all this stuff. But if he can sit, and I don't know if Green Bay is the best place if you need a guy to sit. I mean, I suppose you have to sit at least a year, assuming Rodgers leaves. I mean, he, but then, then you talk about if, what if Rodgers comes back? Then you got Anthony Richardson sitting, although we'll lose Jordan Love. So more than likely, he's got one year to sit, and then he's got to play. So it'll be pretty quick. But yeah, what, one of these days, somebody's going to hit that absolute lottery. And when they do, everybody's going to look back and say, you are the dumbest people on planet Earth for letting this guy get past you. How could you do that? Is Richardson the guy? I don't know. But I think that is why people look at the Bryce Youngs and the Anthony Richardsons and the Justin Fields and the Kyler Murrays and all that, because they know, like you said, this is the way the NFL is going. We need to have that ability because it's so absolutely lethal. I think the biggest problem is it's just hard for quarterbacks to be able to have both at a high level and to be able to figure out the best way to balance that. Again, I think Lamar is probably the best representation of but you've got the injury issues, which are massive. You've had consistent throwing issues. Sometimes he looks great. Sometimes he just is falling off a cliff. Seemed like he's having a good year this year, but again, the injuries caught him again, which is another concern for for the mobile quarterbacks. And and maybe the NFL is just wrong. Maybe this formula isn't going to work. But again, I, I can't help but feel like somebody's going to win that lottery. And who knows? Maybe it's the Bears. Maybe, you know, Fields figures out how to throw next year and we're all screwed. But that's the only thing that keeps me coming back to Richardson. If the guy can tighten it up, there's no stopping the team that he goes to. I just don't have a massive amount of faith that that's going to happen. Because when I look at him, I see field. I see a guy that has incredible physical attributes, incredible rushing and escapability, poise and, and talented arm and all that stuff, but just lacking 
consistency, the decision making, you know, and and honestly, it was kind of the same with Jordan Love. I mean, to a lesser degree, but it was like, man, everything just beautiful, you know, more of a Rodgers Mahomes type of quarterback in terms, you know, the things that you love is ability to throw on the run and all that stuff. But like once every 10th throw you look at it, it's like, what are you doing, dude? And I don't know that you can fully break out of that. I mean, consistency is tough. So I think that's kind of where I'm at with Richards. It, he is the lottery. You know, it's unlikely to hit, but if it does, it's game over. It's dynasty time. And also, I do agree you got to start looking in that direction because we're in a weird spot as far as quarterback. We don't have to rush it and pull the trigger, but yeah, I mean, I, and I know you and I are on the same page with this. If you have a guy and you genuinely believe he's the guy, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you plan to exercise his fifth-year option or not. It doesn't matter if Rodgers is coming back or not. It doesn't matter if Jordan Love wants to be traded or wants to play for the next 20 years. If Anthony Richardson is that dude, you genuinely, with your staff, have come together and said, this guy is going to be a superstar. You cannot sit there at 15 and not take him, period. I don't care if you just signed Jordan Love. What I mean, it's it's like the the how crazy the... Cardinals were for drafting a quarterback and then the next year drafting a new quarterback. I thought it was the dumbest thing in the world. Turns out they were right. They didn't have the guy and they ended up getting the guy, although I think that it's a disaster with Kyle. But the point is, it's what you got to do. You can't sit there and say, well, I don't know. It's kind of weird. We took a guy. We should stick with him. BS, dude. Most important position. So I'm not all the way there, but I I do agree. I mean, it's going to be just freaking brutal. I'm going to, we're going to have to power down the podcast for a couple weeks because it's going to be just horrible. We're going to turn into news reporters instead of Packers podcasters because we're going to be reporting on the riots taking place across Wisconsin. But just this this is my message for Packer fans if that does happen. Probably won't, but you got to understand the thought process behind it. You got to understand that if they genuinely believe it, they need to pull the trigger. And the point is they genuinely believe it. And that should mean something. And I'll tell you what, if nothing else, he's going to be fun to watch in the preseason. He is going to be carving people up. And, and, and I think the media is going to love him. They hated Jordan Love, mostly because they hated the pick, and it was just kind of this stupid thing, and they hated the Packers. But Jordan Love kind of got swept up into that. But I think they're going to fall in love with Anthony. The media cannot get enough of mobile quarterbacks. They just will not. It doesn't matter if the guy's a piece of crap. If you're a mobile quarterback, they love you. And they're going to gush over you, and they're going to call you great. And same with who was a guy this past year. Oh, Malik Willis. He was projected to go to 14, and I, I said the whole time, like, there's no way. This guy is terrible. But Malik Willis got drafted. He went to, I think, the Tennessee Titans. He looked like garbage in the preseason, and the media was furious because even the head coach was like, it's not good enough. Like, what are you talking about? And then they'd show a highlight of him just running for, like, 20 yards, and they're like, what do you call that? It's like, well, you see that guy running wide open? His job as the quarterback is to throw it to him, and he chose not to, and then bailed out of the pocket. He's playing like crap. They don't care, dude. If, if you can run, they're going to gush all over you. So, I mean, if you miss being gushed all over because the media started hating Rodgers a few years ago, Richardson would be the pick, man. They'd love us. We'd, prob- we'd, we'd probably suck as a football team, but the media would love us. So, whatever. Anyways, appreciate the call from everybody. We're going to take a quick little break here. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Venmo is uh, packing a podcast. Also, please consider donating to uh, Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. You can find them at FertileGroundRanch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. 
We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, Ryan, it's Seth. Hey. Uh, first, sorry about that uh, last call when I was talking about Bijan. I was cutting in and out like crazy. Um, no idea what happened there. I think I might have been talking on my car speaker, so, well, we won't do that again. All good. Um, anyways, I wanted to call in and talk about the um, – a lot of people getting upset um, when when Jordan Love gets brought up regarding, you know – T. Higgins, or, you know, we could have drafted him instead. And, you know, well, if we're going to trade up for love, why don't we trade up for Justin Jefferson? All of those comments. So a couple thoughts on that. One is, I mean, I thought Jefferson would be good, but, like, on the T. Higgins talk, all these people that are saying this, nobody knew that he was going to be as good as he is. So, like, we need to kind of get that out of the way first, I think. We, we, We could look back on every draft and almost every team would change almost all of their picks to somebody else that, you know, if, if you just put it in an isolated situation where if you, instead of taking this person here, you could take anyone later, who would you take? Like everybody would do that. Cause there's a Justin Jefferson, I think was the fifth wide receiver taken that year. I think I had heard that. I don't really want to look it up, but again, the, the Packers seem to get crucified for things. And I understand it's because it's from Packer fans and they don't really actually care about other teams. But they get crucified for stuff that nobody else really seems to get crucified for. The Packers were not in striking distance, right? The Vikings were picking ahead of them and still they traded up to get Jefferson. They had no way of knowing that the Vikings were going to go up that far and get him. And there was no way of knowing if the Packers would have been willing to even go that far um, if they needed to. But why don't teams that actually had picks that were sitting there, um, why don't they get flack? The Eagles, for crying out loud, the Eagles drafted a complete bust that is playing for the Minnesota Vikings instead of Justin Jefferson. And you know what? They're in the Super Bowl. So again, I, the, the the two things I don't like, one is the... Um, you know, using 
the knowledge we have now to attack the past. That's completely disingenuous, in my opinion, to say, now that I know this person is great, I'm going to just take that knowledge and say, therefore, you're an idiot for not knowing the future. That's a meaningless and disingenuous argument. The other thing is the sort of um, whining mentality about, you know, this this sort of, oh, poor me mentality for the Green Bay Packers, which is because things aren't perfect and we just can't do it. And if we had just done this and if we had just done, dude, you've got enough. You got enough. You need to go win. Well, Rodgers didn't have enough weapons. B.S. Number one wide receiver in football, Aaron freaking Jones. He's he's pretty much had a great offensive line his entire career. I mean, come on, man. And I, it, it, Enough is enough. Well, if we just had this, if we just had this, and then we get it, well, that's not good enough. If we had just had this, the Packers don't draft wide receivers. We draft three. Two of them look like stars. It's not good enough because they're not first-round receivers. Then we would have won the Super Bowl. No, dude. Listen, you had enough. You as in the, the Packers, and you couldn't get it done. No excuses. It's not because of T freaking Higgins. They couldn't get it done with a Super Bowl caliber roster, period. So those are, I guess, my two biggest complaints with that whole thing. Yes, obviously you could go back every draft and almost every pick. The idea that they got the perfect pick at the perfect time, pretty unlikely to almost ever happen. But... Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's becoming just kind of a useless thing that I think people like to throw around just to troll and be obnoxious. With a gem that goes later, usually quite a few pretty players that go in the mid rounds. So that drives me crazy, but also watching how long it took Rogers to get comfortable with Watson and, and Dobbs and, and, I would venture a guess that if Devontae was still here, Christian Watson would have never developed. And we'd and yeah. say we drafted Watson as well. He would have never developed into what he did. Right. He wouldn't have, you know, he would have still been doing jet sweeps at the end of the year and whatnot. They wouldn't have been targeting, targeting him like that because they would have just been throwing it to Devontae 80% of the time like they did last year. So my point in that is, is if we still had Devontae and say we had gotten T. Higgins instead of Jordan Love, I would be willing to bet that T. Higgins would not have been the same player for us that he was for the Bengals because we would not have developed him. We would have pushed him down the bench, who would have sat behind MVS, Lazard, Cobb, and we would have given Devontae 80% of the balls. And, you know, he he would definitely, I don't I don't believe he'd be the same level of receiver he is today because we would have never developed him properly because we don't like to play young guys, especially Rodgers. And, uh, so, I don't know, that's just the thought I've had. I, it drives me a little crazy of like, well, if we had T. Higgins or Justin Jefferson, name whatever other skill player instead of Jordan Love, we would have been Super Bowl champs. I'm like, whatever, that guy would have been fourth on our depth chart, right? wide receiver. We would have never given him a chance. So, anyways, that's just how I feel. But, all right, talk to you later. Yeah, and that's... Exactly. And I even I even made that point because at the time, this is before we had Watson and all that. And by the way, the only reason Dobbs and Watson played basically at all is out of necessity. That's it. That's the only reason. And whenever they weren't needed on the field, and I'm talking about Sammy Watkins, who played like garbage pretty much all year, was keeping guys like Christian Watson from playing. So the Packers are terrible with this stuff. 
T. Higgins as a rookie was the number one wide receiver. Number two, if you if you look at targets, by three targets. But it was basically 1A and 1B. And he had uh, the most yards and the most touchdowns on the team as a rookie ahead of Tyler Boyd. And that's not just, well, that's because he's so elite. No, it's because they made him the number one wide receiver. He wasn't going to be number one here with Devontae. He wouldn't have been getting a ton of targets. It would have been Devontae, then Lazard, then Cobb, then maybe T. Higgins. Maybe. And again, that's part of the reason why it's so absurd to think that he would have saved the day and won us some kind of a Super Bowl. Like, what, what, what universe are we living in? And I forgot about MVS, and, and Robert Tunyon was actually our number two receiver in 2020. So Devontae, Tunyon, that was when he had his 12 touchdown year. Then it was Aaron Jones, then it was MVS, then it was Alan Lazard. T. Higgins probably would have been beneath that. Maybe not quite, because Lazard missed a bunch of games, but he would have been below MVS. I mean, we still had Equinemius on the team, a bunch of guys that we were working in, Jay Sternberger. But let's be honest, it's Devontae and then everybody else. And it really would have been Devontae and then Tunyon and then MVS and then Lazard and then everybody else. Which, yeah, is a failure of the Packers, <laughs> which hopefully they learn from this year when they're like, hey, let's try to play rookies. And it's like, oh, actually, that worked out really well. I mean, Quay wasn't fantastic, but it's probably better than anything else we would have tried. Devontae Wyatt, they tried to push down further and further, but the more opportunities he got, the better he was. Christian Watson, when they started using him, he exploded. Uh, Dobbs, when they had to lean on him, he exploded. Zach Tom, when they needed him, they put him in, he exploded, and then they immediately throw him back on the bench as soon as he's not needed anymore. Kingsley and Igbare played out of necessity, and he played well. But again, as soon as they're not needed, out of here, gone. And it would have been the same for Higgins. But but even if he was the number two, (laughs) the idea that that's going to get us there even if we're not going to pretend that isn't a disingenuous argument. Um, it's, just, it's just absurd to me. Hey, you're on success again. I, uh, so I talked about Drew Love on my last call. I don't want to talk about Aaron Rodgers on this call. So somebody was talking about the other day on Packernet After Dark that it was the anniversary of the Packers Super Bowl win. And uh, so I went and I watched the whole – there's a highlight reel on YouTube that's the whole playoff run from that year. And then also, of course, you can watch some – I was to the Super Bowl, and man, did that get me amped up. Yeah. And uh, it, it, honestly, it reminded me of how good Aaron Rodgers was in his younger. Like, he's so good last couple years, but honestly, 2010, 2011, yeah. Rodgers was light years better than his last two year, last two MVP years. I mean, it's not close. We don't, I mean, just go look at him. It's, his, his twitchiness, his explosiveness, his confidence, his accuracy, his runoff. And I do think that's an important component that we forget. And I've even made the case that, you know, a lot of people that want to defend Rodgers are trying to say that, no, he's not actually playing that bad. The biggest problem I have with that argument, I mean, there's a lot of issues, and generally I just don't like things being incorrect. But to me, it's such a slap in the face to Aaron Rodgers to pretend that this is anywhere near what Aaron Rodgers looks like. Like... His legacy is 2010, 2011, 2009, you know, that period, you know, I mean, 2016, 2014, just an absolute freak. And the problem is we look at this year, and then we try to argue that, like, well, he wasn't that bad. And it's like, 
you know, there, there's a thing in our brain that's like maybe he was never that good. And, and we shouldn't be going down that path. I mean, it's the same with Brett Favre for slightly different reasons. But as his career started to tail off and he became kind of a joke where it's like he'd throw 40 touchdowns and 30 interceptions, you know. I mean, it's just he just throw the ball up in the air and you're, you know, 57% sure it was probably going to be a pick. But there's that 45% chance that it's about to be a great pass. But, you know, I mean, it, it really got down to the tail end of his career where he'd launch it up into the air and the camera would go up and you'd just sit back in your chair and go, oh, crap. Man, Favre, what are you doing? You could have a conversation with yourself because that thing can hang in the air so long. But it, it taints your vision of the guy. And you forget, like, no, dude, seriously, back in the 90s, he was it. He was the dude. And there were some great quarterbacks in that era. And I think you're right. I think even if you look at 2019, 2020, 2021, um, I mean, 2020 might be close. I don't know. It'd be interesting to do like a side-by-side. I know he was pretty solid that year. But, I mean, he was just stupid, stupid good. And that's, that's the Rodgers that I hope that when this is all done, we remember, right? Because Brett Favre's legacy is tarnished for so many reasons at this point. You, you kind of just can't really get there you know we could probably do like you did pull up a brett Favre highlight video from the 90s or whatever and just see him at his best i remember especially in his younger days thinking that he was actually one of the better scrambling quarterbacks i mean when he was just running around like that was a really underrated part of his his game you know he's a bigger guy he's really hard to bring down he'd scramble to his left and then scramble to his right and he's running all over the place and then he's, he's diving falling away he launches this pass, and somehow it's a pinpoint pass between two guys. Like, what the heck was that? You know, and we watched Rodgers this past year, and we're nitpicking whether or not he's up to par with some of the more mediocre quarterbacks. It's like it's just a, not a worthwhile conversation to have. Whether or not he crosses that threshold into, you know, was he adequate or not is useless. Because for Aaron Rodgers, adequate is garbage. You know, was he three or seven rungs below Kirk Cousins? Like, I, I, it's, it's not an interesting conversation, and it's an insulting conversation even to have when we're talking about Aaron Rodgers. It was a bad year, really bad. So I don't want to normalize this image of him last year as being the Aaron Rodgers that we all, you know, even, even his really good passes, you know. Like if we, of course, you can go back and, and find a compilation probably of Rodgers in 2022. And it looks great, but even that is, it's not him. I'm not saying he's bad in his last MVP years. I'm just saying that best player of all time type talent, yeah. you can really see it in that Super Bowl run. And if you watch the highlights the year after that too, but he had those like five years in there where he was just untouchable, right. not even close. You know, everyone, he was way better than everyone, so... Oh, that got me so amped up. And also, it makes me, uh, I think you said this as well, um, in response to that person's comment about the Super Bowl win. But, man, I wish we had gotten more Super Bowls with Rodgers. And uh, while I'm excited about love, there's this tiny part of me, like 10, 15% of me, that wants Rodgers to come back just for the chance we win the Super Bowl. If we could win it with Rodgers, oh, that'd be amazing to get two Super Bowl wins with him. But... If I give myself a reality check, I just don't think we, you know, I don't think we are going to win it if he comes back. Um, I'm going to kind of backtrack here. I'm just 
spitballing out loud. Maybe I shouldn't be that hard stance on it. Maybe I should say let's bring it back and let's go for it because how many years does the team that wins it, you know, decent amount of time come out of nowhere? Like the Packer Bowl, the Packers and their Super Bowl win, last win with Rodgers, you know, the Giants that they're running with Manning. Um, even the Eagles' last Super Bowl win, you know, Wentz got hurt, they ended up winning it with Foles. You know, you just never know what happened. You get into the playoffs and you got a chance to win it. I mean, that's just how it goes. So maybe I should, uh, maybe I should be more excited about that possibility, but just, uh, most of, most of my, my gut instinct is it's time to move on and I'm excited for what's next, but I don't know. It was fun to reminisce anyways. Uh, definitely wish Rogers did or does end up with two Super Bowls with the Packers, but all right. That's all. Yeah, that would, I, I, there was almost no doubt in my mind that, that he was going to get a second, you know, if you went back to 2019 or so, it was just like, it, it has to happen, right? It's going to have, there's no way we're, we're not going to get one more. Um, I, I guess here would be the question I would have. Let's just say Rogers does come back to 2020 MVP form. What are the odds we win a Super Bowl? In my mind, it's it's low. Now there is a path for some teams. There's basically no path, right? They don't have the talent. I think the Packers have maybe enough talent. Um, the receivers are a problem, and I'm talking wide receiver and tight end. And if that could be solved, that's a major piece. Um, and even as Roger said, we might have those guys on the team, and I think that that's fair. But we have to assume first of all, we're getting 2020 Rogers. Knowing full well that we we had that in 2020 and we had Devontae and we had a bunch of other stuff and we still didn't win, right? That's we gotta take that into account. So we got MVP Rodgers. Maybe we have wide receivers. I don't think we're gonna have any necessarily top ten. Maybe Christian could be that. Maybe we draft the tight end that ends up being a stud, but probably not. Maybe we have a dominant elite run game. But I don't really see us doing a ton with our offensive line. I think our coaches really like, even if we draft somebody, I mean, what's going to change? Maybe right tackle with Yash. You know, we might get a guy that could play right tackle, and maybe that could help a little bit. But the interior is more of the problem that I have with uh, Josh Myers and John Runyon as far as run blocking goes. So that's not really going to improve. We're not going to improve our running backs because, I mean, that's unless we do get Bijan or something, but then we're probably not going to be getting. Well, we might get a wide receiver in the second or something, but then you look at defense. What are the odds defense improves? Like what, what information do I have to believe that it will get better? We didn't get a new defensive coordinator, so that doesn't necessarily help. Um, Not to say that a new one automatically makes it better, but the same one makes me think it's going to be roughly the same. Um, We're not going to have Rashawn for probably what, half the year. I don't really know what his timeline is. We don't really have pass rushers. I mean, Preston is okay. Kingsley is okay. Um, Kenny completely fell apart. He hasn't, again, he had like two good years. Let's just be completely honest. Kenny was dominant for like two years. He's been so-so ever since. He, he's, I don't think he's even sniffed 10 sacks in a season in I don't know how long. Um, Devontae Wyatt maybe could kind of become something cool. Maybe. Um Jair, I think, kind of is just what he is, which is a good corner. I don't know that we get back to number one corner in football again. Stokes, I think, is is decent if we get Stokes back. I don't know his timeline either. 
Razul is decent. We don't have any safeties. So, I, I mean, the, the hard part is I'm trying to build a better team than 2020. I'm having a hard time building a better team than 2022, right? I mean, the, the receivers are a little better. Like, all right, cool. Although we're going to lose Lazard and, and Cobb probably, so we potentially take a step back there. I know they weren't great receivers, but it's still a loss. Um, it's just, it's, it's really, really difficult. You know, building a team that could beat the 2022 Packers is our first challenge. And then from there, we have to build a team that's better than the 2020 Packers. So what I'm saying is, even if we assume Rodgers, because this isn't all on Rodgers. It's not like, I don't want Rodgers back because Rodgers is trash. Rodgers is fine. He's capable. But we have to move on. And yeah, I'm, I'm with you. If, 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 if you could convince me that the team is set up so that a really high quality quarterback coming back would make the, in other words, we're going to, we're very likely going to win a Super Bowl unless we turn it over to Jordan Love. In which case, you know, again, I really would like to move on because we need to, but okay, fine. Let's postpone one more year. Let's give it another shot. That ain't us though. We're not that team. We're not running for anything. We, we have created a complete financial disaster with a lot of contracts and everything else. We have no direction. We have no future. And we got to start sorting this out. And because I don't really see a path to the Super Bowl, even with Aaron Rodgers, who is very unlikely to be MVP Rodgers, I, I, for me, it's a very, very clear picture. And it's not about disliking Rodgers. And it's not even necessarily saying it's impossible for him to be an MVP guy again. It just doesn't make sense to me. Even if you promised me he'd be MVP, although at that point, um, I'd have to consider. But you can't promise me that. And again, even if you could, it's like I'm, I'm like 45% in it, maybe like 35. I just don't want to do it. We got a lot of work to do, and I'm, I'm not trying to be pessimistic. We can turn it around pretty quick, but, but the first piece we got to figure out is quarter. The first piece we got to figure out in terms of building a team for the future that is a high-quality team, we got to figure out the quarterback situation. And Rodgers is not the solution at quarterback moving forward. He is our path. And Rodgers has made that clear. He's not sure if he wants to come back, if he wants to retire. So we know two, three, four, five years down the road, he ain't the guy. So we need to know who's the guy. Is it love or somebody else? So, yeah, it's, it's again, it's not just him. It's just where we're at right now. It just It's just the right time. The way his contract, the way his play is, the, the, the period of time we're in with Jordan, the ability to get compensation, now's the time. Last year might have been the time. But again, I can't fault them for not knowing about a massive fall off, not even knowing Devontae was leaving. But now that we see it, come on, man. Come on, man. Uh, this, this, is, this is crystal clear what needs to happen here. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. Um, we are a little bit backlogged, which is a good thing. We'll just keep this thing rocking and rolling. Please get those calls in. I'm sure i uh, got a few Super Bowl calls. We'll have to get to those. And then uh, then we're off to the races, man. No more distractions. All off season, all the time. You guys have a good night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye.